when I came here, I mean, you hear that, that, you know, that talk you give with your parents or whoever that says, hey, you know, you go to college, it's a great experience, and the people you meet is going to be in your life maybe for a lifetime. So, I mean, I didn't really know that, but just playing here and uh, the fan support we had, the good, the good times, the bad times, it was just, it was amazing. And I, and I never forgot that. Um, and then my brother came here. I remember him telling me towards the end of his career, he's like, fans here in Minnesota, I never felt so embraced in my life, you know? And he always says that. So, and I, and I echo that. I was like, I mean, it was, I wasn't perfect, you know? And we had some down years, but they still embraced me. So it, it was great, man, being here. And it's a dream come true coming back. That was Kevin Burleson, and this is Wolves Plus. What a feed, Ricky to Carl Anthony Towns for the dunk. Russell shows off the handle and the shot. Over making things happen. Oh, yes he is! Oh, Shazokoke! May the force be with you! Coast to coast for Obi-Wan Okoge. Kevin, hi. I know we're catching you right after practice today. Um, the number of practices or games that you have been through in your life must be astounding. It's probably been part of your life as long as you can remember. Yeah, um, I was just actually just talking to Ricky about it. I'm like, we put so many hours into this game, thousands and thousands of hours. So it's kind of like, I mean, you don't know which way is up sometime, but I mean, it's always yes. worth it. I mean, this is a beautiful job. You've been an athlete your whole life and you're from a family of athletes, four boys in your family. Right? Yes, you are yes. second oldest? Second, yeah, middle child. And with four athletic boys, are your memories of childhood, plus athletic parents, Yes. how much of your uh, childhood memory bank is just revolving around sports? It was a huge part. I'm not, not going to lie about that. Um, I mean, the house was always rocking with some type of sport, whether we put boxing gloves on and punching each other, whether we're outside tackling each other. We first got a hoop, we were out there all day. And even if it's a video game, it was something competitive every night. So it's one of them households you don't know, you think every household's like that when you're a kid. But then when you uh, grow up and you know you get out and leave and go to college, you realize how fortunate you were. You had two parents and you, know, you had brothers that uh, you compete against and it kind of just helped you uh, become the player or the person you, you wanted to be. So your dad, Al played a defensive back in the Canadian yes. Football League and in the USFL. Yep. Your mom played high school volleyball, although mm -hmm. there's no visual proof of this. Is that <laughs> correct? Well, that's like a, a running joke. My mom gets mad when I talk about this because she sees this kind of stuff. She says, "You just say I played volleyball. But my, my dad says it was, it was some type of intramurals or something with her girlfriends. It wasn't because she's one of the tallest in, in the group in high school. So um, I've never seen visual proof. But I would say this. She's pretty uh, good with both hands. She can throw a football with both hands. So uh, that's pretty talented. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Not really. So you not, are on she can't throw it good, but she can throw with both hands. So, Mom, really? you're the best. <laughs> Brownie points. <laughs> yeah, you're up, you're down, you're in, you're out. I, I don't know. You're you're all over the place with mom. Um, your older brother, Alvin Jr., played college football. Your yeah. younger brother, Nate, was a wide receiver in the NFL. And you have a youngest brother, Lindale, who yeah. played college basketball. Yes. So yes. not only athletes, but athletes at the next level and sometimes the highest level. Yes. So give me an idea, if you would, growing up in the Seattle area, give me an idea of what your house 
looked like and like the pile of bags and equipment and shoes that must have existed at all times? Well, the interesting thing, it wasn't just us. I mean, you, you go back to the Seattle right now and talk to some of the guys my age and the kids that grew up with us. They look at my father as, you know, kind of a second father because we had, I mean, it was four kids, but we had about another four or five in the house at all times. So we we're, were like the neighborhood family. So, like, we grew up, I mean, there's bags everywhere. There's shoes. There's basketball, football. My mom's, you know, locking herself in the room because she can't take it. She's stressing out. There's <laughs> too much t <laughs> testosterone around. It was just, it was a fun time. And like I said, you don't know that as a kid, but then you, you leave and, you, you know, you know how fortunate you was. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel for my, my parents. Like, I'm thinking about me one day. Hopefully I'll be a parent. But it's like nonstop from work to taking us to practice to come back home, make sure you do your homework, to another practice, to something else. I mean, it was always something. Then there was times in, um, our, in their lives and our lives that we had another kid or two living with us because of maybe their family situation wasn't so well. So it was, it was interesting. But, um, I mean, I'm definitely blessed. It sounds like there was a lot of love in the yes. house. Were there a lot of fights? Yes, yes. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you know, I, I feel for my mom because there's a lot of macho-ness going on in the house. It was the who was the toughest. And um, I fought my older, older brother all the time. And then, I, you know, I used to, I didn't really fight my right under, right under me, Nate, because he was kind of chill. But it was funny, he fought with my older brother because they just went at it all the time. So it was kind of like a, a weird dynamic in that sense. The youngest got the worst, though, uh, because we all picked on him. <laughs> but he turned out pretty good, though. I mean, he turned out one of the most athletic guys in the group. So uh, I guess it all worked out. I have two brothers, and there was just a lot of wrestling in our house yes. all the time. Boys seem to always revert to wrestling. Yes. Did you guys do that too? Yeah. Yeah, we did wrestling, but we loved boxing because boxing was always on. So we would get these big boxing gloves and we'll, we'll make a ring. We'll have two couches, one on this side, one on that side. And the first, the rules was you couldn't hit nobody in the face, right? That's the that's like the beginning of it. So like you that's can a punch good rule. All that. that was the rule. Like you couldn't hit nobody in the face. But if somebody does get hit in the face, you know, there's no more rules. You just go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's like if most of the time when one guy's getting beat up, they'll hit in the face because then it's like, you know, now we're just going to freestyle. We'll pick up anything. It's a real <laughs> fight. So we had that a lot. And then, like, if you want to have a timeout, you'll get on the couch and, and just pause. But we boxed a lot. I mean, we got some, some fist fights and stuff, but it was all fun. And, you know, sometimes it got serious and people got hurt and cried. But, I mean, that's the toughness up. Were you wearing, like, some sort of headgear and I'm hoping at least boxing gloves? Nah, we're straight Braveheart, Gladiator. You know, we're, you know, we were really? old school, straight up. And we just had gloves. And like I said, we get hit in the face, it's like, keep going. And our pops, you know, he's, you know, obviously he's a tough guy. So we start crying. He's like, you better go back downstairs and fight. <laughs> so we go back downstairs and we'll fight it. But like I said, it all worked out, though. Yeah. Hey, that's life in the Burleson house. Yes, Welcome yes. aboard. But like oh you said, goodness. there's a lot of love, though, like always. Like, my parents made sure, you know, we had the brotherly love all the time. And then for them, they're always in our lives. Like I said, they went to every single practice, every single game. They were fortunate enough to do that. So, I mean, the love was always there. Well, the talent was there, too, it sounds like, for all four of you. Yeah. And your younger brother, Nate, is really well known around here. 
yeah. specifically with Minnesota fans because of his three years with the Vikings and being drafted by the Vikings. Yeah. He played, Nate did, with the Vikings in 2003, 2004, 2005, which would have been the Culpepper and Moss years, yes. and yes. Nate was a wide receiver. What kinds of things did he tell you, or maybe you got to see a practice? I know you were playing at the time yeah. as well, but what kind of things did he tell you about playing with that those Minnesota Vikings teams? Well, I mean, it was interesting because I remember the draft. I was at my uh, place, uh, University Village, down on campus, and um, that was my year. I was going into, uh, I was graduating, and then I was so tired from working out. I just kind of like was waiting. It was like second round, you know. I don't know. I, I was crazy. My brother's getting drafted, but I just fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep, and then somebody, my phone started buzzing. And then I started hearing like, oh man, I saw I called I called my dad. He's like, you know, we got drafted, you got drafted. I'm like, where, where is it? Minnesota. I'm like, what? I was like, <laughs> it was just it's crazy to me. So um, when he came here, he was excited. Um, and I remember the first couple of practices we talked about it. And obviously he was so um, uh, excited to work with Randy Moss, you know? I mean, that's like a idol to a lot of receivers. So he said one of the first practices, you know, he wanted to show that, you know, he's, you know, he's fast, he can work hard. So they're doing sprints and then, um, you know, they're telling him to go 30%, 40%, 60%, 70%. So in his mind, he's like, I'm going to go 100%. So then, you know, I could be the first one. So they were sprinting. He said Randy was going like 60%. Everybody else on the receiving crew was going like 100, just sprinting their hearts off. And Randy was just jogging and just beating everybody. His stride was so long, he was just so athletic that he can just go like this while everybody else is doing this, and he's just doing that. And he said it just amazed him how athletic and how gifted he was, and that's when he knew he was like, I got to work double hard just to be, you know, just to compete with this type of talent. So that's, I remember him telling me that, and he was at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was fun seeing him, seeing him grow there. And at that time, you mentioned you were finishing your Minnesota career, yeah. and you played some – you played a lot of different places, but yes. at one time, your year with the Charlotte Hornets yeah. co coincided with one of Nate's pro years, so you were brothers playing in the NFL and NBA at the same time. Yes. That's yes. crazy. That was, that was crazy. And what's funny is you don't really think about it when it's happening, and then I remember, like, Nate saying people started to hit him up, and they started hitting both of us up for doing some, like, uh, deals with certain companies. I remember T-Mobile has something. It was a couple companies that kept saying, like, you guys are, you know, one of the bro brother NBA NFL. It's, that's rare. So it was starting to – we started to get traction on that. And, you know, if I would have stayed in NBA, we would have had a lot of stuff going on. But the next year I ended up going to the G League. But it was um, it was fun, though, um, because, you know, we're both there living our dreams. And there's a video that my mom has on VHS, and it's us. I think I'm probably – eight or nine, and he's probably six or something. I'm not sure. And we're talking about what you going, what you want to be when you grow up. And we're in the kitchen with our shirts off, and we're just like, I was like, I'm going to the NBA, and I'm going to play in the NBA, and then, and then, and he's like, I'm going to the NFL, and I'm going to be the fastest player in the NFL. And we're talking about it, and this is like at that age, and we're serious. We're not joking. We're dead serious. So this, go back and see that video sometime. It's just a, it's a blessing. It's just like, wow, we spoken and we manifested it. So it was great. It was, God is good. You spoke it into existence yes, as kids. Yes, as wow. kids, yeah. So your brother Nate was kind enough to send a little message. It's on that iPad there. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and pick mm -hmm. it up. Um, it's something that 
he wanted you to see. He just wanted to share a story. Go ahead. Okay, we'll watch that along with you. A little story, story from Nate. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Nate Burleson, the little brother of Kevin Burleson, a.k.a. my fake twin. Even though we're two years apart, people say we look a lot alike. I love KB. That's the big bro for real. Look up to him still to this day. But there were moments when he led me astray. <laughs> story time. I'm in the seventh grade. He's in the eighth. We missed the bus. I'm like, let's go. Kevin's like, nah, chill. Go watch cartoons. I'm going to hook up breakfast. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, the grits with the bacon. I'm like, the grits with the bacon? He said, the grits with the bacon. I'm downstairs chilling. He comes downstairs empty-handed. I'm like, what happened to the breakfast? He's like, I burnt it. I'm like, what? He's like, all of it. It's already starting off bad. We get to trekking. It's like three or four miles till we get to school. We pass some fast food restaurants. Kevin's like, let's pop in there, get some food, take it, eat it while we're walking. We'll be straight. I'm like, cool. We'll only miss like a period. We straight. We get in there. Let me get the McMuffin with the hash brown and the orange juice. We'll take two of those. I'm like, that sounds good. The person's like this, for here or to go. <laughs> Kevin's like, we'll dine in. I'm like, what? We got school to go to. And on top of that, this ain't no damn business meeting. Kevin's like, chill, little bro. We're in there. We're chilling. I'm panicked. Foot tapping the ground, looking at my watch. If I had a cigarette, I would have smoked it. Seventh grade and all. Outside, like, boy, my big bro tripping. But he had no care in the world. Kevin was eating like he was 67 and retired. We finished eating. I'm thinking it's 30 minutes. It was like an hour some change. We get there finally. After this long journey, pull up on the school, open the front doors, principal walks right up on us. Burlesons, <laughs> Nate, Kevin, because he's the big bro, the example. Kevin, do you know what time it is? Kevin's like, I don't really. No, no. Kevin used to be so lackadaisical. <laughs> um, it's noon, lunchtime, Kevin. Kevin's like, oh, uh. Nah, I already ate. He walks off. I'm sitting there like, um, no, cuz, no, cuz we we missed the bus. And then he was supposed to, uh, but the, we, he, he promised the grits, the grits with, with the bacon. And then we, and walk, it, I make a muffin. Um, I'll just see you in detention. And that's a true story that really happened. I know y'all know this Zen monk, Mahatma Gandhi KB, which he is. But at one point, Kevin could care less about being on time, like appeasing teachers. Not He wasn't a bad kid. He just didn't have no reference of like hustling up. <laughs> one teacher threw his whole backpack down the hallway because he came in late. And Kevin roamed around the school for a semester. Like a homeless student. That period, Kevin just, instead of going to the teachers and saying, I need a new class, he just roamed around the school. Yeah, true story. He's true different story. back then. KB, you was a fool with it. But all jokes aside, um, Kevin, you are the most diligent, most disciplined, most determined person I've ever met. I've said this a thousand times. If I love football as much as Kevin loved basketball. Actually, let me correct that. 
as much as Kevin loves basketball. I would be a Hall of Famer. I would be one of the best football players to ever grace this earth. If I love football as much as he loves basketball, that's a fact. Basically, I'm saying you got the lucky to have him. And if you know, you know. KV, I know I tell you I hug you all the time. And we talk a lot, but your impact on my life couldn't even be placed into words. So I'm not even going to try. But you already know. I love you, big bro. And I'm proud as hell of you. For real. That's, that's love. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I appreciate that. He know I love him too. You know, so I tell him all the time, he inspires me. So we inspire each other. Love that. All my brothers, that's, I love them all. So, that, that, and he always tells that story too, and it's always funny. <laughs> and that was all true. I was, yeah, I kind of just kind of uh, went my own way when I was young. But I kind of uh, straightened up a little bit. I straightened yeah. up. Yeah. But that's true. You were basically a homeless student for that yeah, semester? Yeah, yeah. I was a homeless <laughs> student. I, all I did was roam the halls. I had a girlfriend at the time, so she would come out. I'd just give her one kiss, and she'll go right back in her class. And I would just roam the halls. That was it. And I didn't think nothing of getting another class. <laughs> it was just like, he kicked me out, so I guess I have no class. My brother was like, man, you are so crazy. But I, I straightened up. Believe that. I did straight up. My yeah, mom apparently. was not having it. Uh, I had to. So she took basketball away from me one time, and I'm like, I ain't doing that no more. Oof. So, yeah. What a life, man. What a yeah. semester. <laughs> Great semester. I got to, hey, chill, relax, while everybody else was still studying. I was relaxing that. It was a sixth period, though, so it was the last, last, last part of class, last part of school, so it was good. Unbelievable. Um, your career with the Golden Gophers, 1999, to mm -hmm. 2003. Mm -hmm. um, when you think about that and think about your years and how you developed as a basketball player and a person, a human being, when you sort of just think back on your college career, what stands out to you? Uh, I mean, I think the people I met and the fans, like in, in this city, because when I came here, I mean, you heard that, that, you know, that talk you get with your parents or whoever that says, hey, you know, you go to college, it's a great experience. And the people you meet is going to be in your life maybe for a lifetime. So, I mean, I didn't really know that, but just playing here and uh, the fan support we had, the good, the good times, the bad times, it was just, it was amazing. And I, and I never forgot that. Um, and then my brother came here. I remember him telling me towards the end of his career, he's like, you know, uh, obviously going home to Seattle and playing for the Seahawks, that was a dream come true. And the fans were amazing. Detroit was great um, for him. Um, he loved that city to death, but he was, he told me, he said, man, the fans here in Minnesota, I never felt so embraced in my life, you know, and he always says that. So, and I, and I echo that. I was like, I mean, it was, I wasn't perfect, you know, and we had some down years, but they still embraced me. So it, it was great, man, being here. And it's a dream come true coming back. So, yeah, I, I just remember the people I met here uh, and the fans. Burleson blows by Bell and scores. Pass inside, stolen by Burleson and a foul on Ballinger. Stolen away by Burleson. Driving it in, one on three, leaving it for Hagan. And the fans in particular at Williams Arena, too, because oh. just the way that barn is built and with the raised floor, when you have a good game and a good crowd, there is no place like it. I remember beating Indiana. Uh, A.J. Guyton, I think, was, yeah, he was a shooting guard there. And we beat them, and they were one of the top teams in the country. And A.J. Guyton had a shot 
first I threw a pass. Uh, I forgot who shot that ball. Yeah, see, I'm getting old. But anyways, we hit the <laughs> shot, the three to uh, be up by like one, I think. Uh, we were up and the crowd went so crazy. My ears was ringing. I couldn't hear nothing. Like it was only like a couple seconds left. So they had the ball, but we were up. And I was like, this is crazy. I've never, this is like the loudest I've heard of fans in my life. The next play, AJ got to get a shot. I could test it and uh, we win. And, and you know, the Indiana Fest said I fouled him. And, you know, maybe I did, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we ended up winning the game and the fans went crazy. And I was just like sitting in the middle of the court uh, and just looking up and how loud it was. And I'm just like, my, I had goosebumps. And I was like, this is the reason I play basketball. This is the reason I came to Minnesota. This type of fan support, this type of energy, you can't replace that nowhere. So it was great. Yeah, it's a unique place. Yeah. No doubt. After the Gophers, your professional career took you really around the world. And it's difficult to find really accurate uh, years and statistics for people who played <laughs> overseas. I don't know if you know this about yourself, but yeah, yeah. I have seen, but I'm not, I cannot confirm. I'm going to give you these countries where I found some evidence of you playing, but I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. Germany? Huh? Yeah. Well, Germany. I'm, I'm sure there's countries that weren't listed because... Some countries I was there for two months, some countries I was there for six months, some countries I was there the whole nine, ten months, so yeah. Okay. Did you play in Germany? Yes. Turkey? Yes. Egypt? Yes. Romania? Yes. China? Yes. Qatar? Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah. Did I, did I miss any? I mean, I had some stops. I went to Slovenia for a little bit. It was a quick stop. I had... Uh, I was in Thailand, played there for a little bit. Um, it was a quick stop. What else? Um, man, I'm probably missing some. I don't know. I, I had like one or two, I think, more. But like I said, they were probably a couple months. Towards the end of my career, career I was like a hired uh, uh, assassin, you would say. Like I, I came in just for tournaments and helped win tournaments, and I left, you know. So, But, yeah, that was the, the main places. Well, give us an idea of what – basketball is like and what life is like in like Slovenia and oh. Qatar. These are not places that I think of, oh, good overseas basketball teams. Yeah, um, no, you know, what's funny is like the NBA has did a good job of uh, expanding their brand. So you'll think of a, a country or a place that's probably not into basketball, but you get there and you see the kids wearing jerseys from, you know, Jordan to Dirk Nowitzki to like, LeBron to whoever, like you'll see like the fan support, they love the NBA. It might not be a, the biggest sport in that country, but the fans are excited about it because they have dreams of, you know, playing basketball. And, you know, when I first went to Germany, I remember, uh, you know, they were driving me around. I didn't see no basketball hoops outside. I just seen soccer, like goals. And I'm like, yes. oh, well, you know, like, and you know, in America, you go around the neighborhood, you're gonna see goal, basketball goals somewhere. So I was like, wow, there's basketball, there's nothing out here. But, but when I got to actually playing in the fan support, I'm like, wow, they're really into this. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's definitely different in certain countries. Um, you know, you're away from home and you're kind of like a little nervous. You don't know what to eat and what, the, you know. But I'll tell you this, certain countries, certain cities, they will embrace you. And I, I don't know if I just have a, a blessing on me, but most of the countries did with me. And when I was in Germany, uh, they, they they put in the paper, I remember, uh, Burleson is losing weight. Who wants to cook for him? I had like, 
<laughs> I had uh, my Oma, I'll call her. Uh, it was the secretary's grandma. She lived right next door, next to me. And she used to make me spatula. I think that's what it's called. I'm probably not saying it right. It's like a spaghetti type. Every Wednesday, I had another person down the street, uh, another person uh, like five minutes away. It was like, it was crazy. It was like a, so like I said, these cities are, are great and um, you know, I'll never forget them. Do you feel like when you went somewhere, you tried to pick up at least a little bit of the language or phrases here and there, and now you have like eight or nine different languages and <laughs> phrases rolling around in your head? Well, yeah, so like Germany, I actually tried to learn it. I was in a class uh, after practice. But it was weird. I, I don't know if I was just school. Is weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm not good at school because I couldn't get it. I was just like, I'm wasting my time. So then my friends were like, we'll just talk, you know, around you in German. So they were just messing me. And sometimes we'll be talking English and they'll just talk German. I get so frustrated. I'm like, hey, I'm here. I need to, what, what are you guys saying? They're like, if you don't pick it up, then you ain't going to understand. So I start picking it up that way. And, um, I wish I would have stuck with it, but I, I could still hear people talking and, you know, pick up a couple of things. But, yeah, sometimes it gets jumbled because I'm like, no, that was Turkey or oh, that was that, you know. But, you know, I, I'm trying to learn Spanish right now, but, you know, some of my friends make fun of me about it, you know. <laughs> well, you're a well-cultured guy, I would bet, from all of your travels. Yes, 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 yes. I, I, I do believe, like, it's a blessing to be able to go overseas and actually live there and not just visit. So, um, I mean, there's certain countries that I definitely don't know the language, but I could just hear something and kind of know what it is just because I was living there. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. How do you know then when you have wanted to be an NBA player since you were a kid, you did get your NBA season in Charlotte mm -hmm. and you played overseas, you were a professional, you were in the G League. At what point do you know that your playing career is over and you're content and okay with that being over. How'd you get to that point? I got injured in Qatar. Um, and um, I remember I was there rehabbing. Uh, they signed me into another deal the next year. And I was rehabbing. And I remember just saying like, it was, it was like something in my growing and I, it wasn't healing the way I wanted to heal. So when I, I rehabbed there for like a month and came back to the States and I remember going to play somewhere and, the, and there was guys that I'm usually like just way better than I couldn't. I mean, I was I was just average, like because my body wasn't bouncing back, and I couldn't take that mentally. My ego was like, nah, I can't play like that. But I still kind of fought through, and I did a tournament somewhere, and I still wasn't the same. So I was like, well, you know, I'll take some time off. I'm just gonna work out guys, and then work myself out at the same time. So I work out a lot of guys, NBA guys, college guys, and then. I started saying, like, hey, what am I doing? I want to get into coaching anyway, probably. So let me start now instead of waiting and trying to, you know, squeeze another one or two more years out. So after I, you know, knew um, that I wanted to do that, I kind of, like, start just mainly working out guys and stop working out myself. And that's when I knew, like, it's time to retire. I never really officially announced it. So this is my announcement. I'm retired, guys, so no more calls. <laughs> <laughs> Then obviously you moved into the coaching ranks and kind of worked your way up and now are a member of the Wolves staff. So obviously it has worked out for you. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you do right now as a member of the Timberwolves staff is halftime interviews. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, with a questionable courtside reporter. Timberwolves trail the Pelicans by one here at halftime at Target Center. Assistant coach Kevin Burleson is with us. Coach, the energy, the effort, from that second unit, even 
It has been really evident here tonight. How pleased have you guys been just with that part of the game? I mean, I'm really pleased. I mean, it's, it's tough after losing a tough game, back to back. So um, our guys, you know, today walked through were great, ready to go. So we're happy about our second unit. And I'm wondering. <laughs> the best, the best in the world. She's the best in the world. I don't know who she is, but she's the best in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering because your brother, Nate, is now an NFL analyst on national television. Yeah. And you have a halftime interview that airs on TV during certain yeah. months of the Timberwolves season. How many pointers are coming from the way of uh, Mr. National TV NFL analyst Nate? <laughs> he definitely gives me pointers, especially when I, especially when I go see him. That's when he, he gives me the most. But sometimes we'll talk and be like, so next time articulate it this way. Or next time, you know, the fans like analogy. So, you know, just find an analogy. Or next time they want to see inside the locker room. Or, you know, he, he knows that kind of stuff. So I'm like, yeah, next time I'll do that. And um, even though mine is pretty short, uh, two, three mm -hmm. minutes, but uh, he always wants to give me a pointer or two. And I take him. I ask him sometimes, like, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, because um, he's like, it, the more you practice these pointers, the more they become natural. Because uh, sometimes I'll just come there and just, you know, talk what's on my heart without, without just seeing the locker room. But he's like, the fans, the general public, you know, might want to connect with this or that. And they love analogies. So um, I, I got I to get a good analogy next game. I'm going to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so much you can do with a 45-second halftime yeah. <laughs> interview. But you're doing it. I'm trying. You're I'm trying. Doing it. I'm, I'm trying. I, I think it's easy when you have the best halftime reporter in the country so or in the world. So. <laughs> She, she, she just guides me through it. <laughs> I'd like to get to know her. She sounds great. <laughs> um, off the court, off the court, you are a really healthy guy. You work out a lot. You watch what you eat. I am told you are vegan. Are you 100% strict vegan? I don't, I don't want to say strict. I am. I do vegan. The vegan diet, I do partake in that. But I want to say strict because there's some that literally won't walk into an establishment if it's serving meat. So that's that. There's okay. a level of that. Or, um, you know, the clothes you wear. Or um, if somebody serves you something and you're eating it and you find out it has a little bit of egg in it, whatever, then you're, you're throwing it away immediately. Me, I'm more loose in that sense. Like, I'm not going to die if somebody there's – I already ate some bread that had egg in it or something. So – I guess I'm not as strict as most people, but I am. I, like I'm not gonna buy meat and all that stuff, and I'm gonna try to uh, eat as you know clean as possible in that sense. So I mean, I just you know it's something I've been doing for some years. So it's it's something that I feel good about, and you know I feel healthy. You know, I even though vegans don't necessarily have to be, um, doesn't mean you're healthy when you're you know because I still eat junk food, so I need to work on that. <laughs> you do? Yeah, like you know, chips or what? Yeah, it's vegan donuts. Go to Whole Foods. They're $9.99. They're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so you splurge once in a while. You have a sweet tooth. You snack. Yes. I mean, I don't do it all the time, but, you know, at least once a week, I give myself that time where I'm going to binge watch something. I'm going to have them vegan donuts waiting, and I'm going to just relax and just hopefully I only eat one or two, but some nights is a bad night. I might eat the whole Well, box. you're pretty crazy. You're <laughs> You're, it sounds like you're unhinged. Yeah, but I do make sure I get that workout in, so I'm working out every day. Good balance. Yeah. I had read an article where you said that you had given up candy at age 12. Yeah. Because you thought it would help you athletically. 
Yeah. True? 12? Yeah, so my brother jokes with me, not jokes, but he says I was a little OCD growing up. But, I, I mean, I was – I used to have the NBA, you know, symbol uh, written on note cards all on my wall. I, like, I plat, splat, I paste them everywhere. So, all I saw was NBA. So, I was a little obsessed in that sense. And I remember one of my trainers, I was, you know, I was young, said, you know, candy, all that sugar is not good for you. I'm like, what? It's not good for you? I won't eat it. That was it. And I just wouldn't eat candy or uh, no sugar. My parents would think I was crazy, but I was like, no. And, and I was one of them. I was in my. I was one of the people. And Nate was used to always joke with me because Nate would say like, "Get out the garage," because he's my little brother. But he would yell at me for being in the garage all night dribbling the basketball. Mm. And, I, and he would be out just you know relaxing, trying to you know whatever. And I was that obsessed. So yeah, I gave up candy for years. I didn't pop soda, nothing. It was just, and it wasn't hard. It was just like, oh. It's gonna help me get to the NBA, okay? So, I don't say I, I'm, not, I'm not telling kids to give up candy, but if you want something that bad, sometimes you gotta sacrifice some. So, maybe it's you know studying extra after school, whatever it is, you gotta sacrifice. Yeah, you were driven already at age 12. Yeah, yeah. I have a 12-year-old boy. Sometimes it's candy for breakfast. <laughs> I have to remind him that's not what we do. <laughs> remember. Yeah, so that's yeah. pretty impressive. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. Do you, along with that, along with living pretty clean, eating yeah. pretty clean, working out, you meditate? Is that part yes. of your daily, weekly? Daily, daily. And daily. some days are more than others. Um, and I think most meditators understand um, they don't get it in enough. Uh, enough. Um, they get it, they don't get in it enough. They should, you know, be able to get it in more. And they always make the excuse we don't have enough time. But uh, some days it's five minutes, some days it's 20 minutes, some days it's longer. But I try to get in. Sometimes if it's, I have no time, I feel like I have no time, I'll just give me 10 breaths. I'll sit there and get 10 breaths, breathe in and out, uh, watch my breath, and count to 10, and then that'll help me. Maybe it's a start today or maybe it's a pause in the day. So it's daily, uh, but sometimes it's just longer than others. And do you feel like you really know when you've, when you get a good cleansing meditation, is it is it in your body? Is it yes. in your mind? Where do, what happens? Yes, because I have a very overactive mind, so it's always just like going everywhere. So uh, when I have a good session, and pretty much all my sessions, even if it's ten breaths, like it, it kind of like centers me and bounces me a little bit, and I kind of like get refocused. But if it's a good session, a longer session, um, I feel like I'm just kind of like just floating through the day just kind of like things don't really bother me too much and um and things really don't bother me anyway but usually like it just it's a good feeling and I can just kind of like go through my uh my job or whatever I'm doing with a, a good focus so I encourage meditation I think it's uh, great for overall wellness and uh, mental health for sure because we all have our stresses and uh, you know you need something to just kind of like center oh, yeah. yourself yeah no doubt you are in good shape the Wolves coaching staff as a whole, that's a very fit group. Yes, Who is yes. in the best shape? Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. Well, um, if I would say shape, I would say Pablo. Pablo is, okay. I, think he's a, I think he's paleo, you know, so he's pretty strict with his diet, yeah. what he eats. Um, he works out every day, um, and he loves playing with the guys, like a lot of us do, um, but – He's he's just more in shape as far as running. I'm pretty sure he probably runs in the morning before he comes here. He's just like a in shape guy. Like he'll go up and down nonstop. 
Um, but we got a lot of other guys that can play and they're, you know, physically fit. But he probably the most in shape. Now, look the best, you probably got to go with your boy. I mean, sitting across from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just pat myself on the back for that. Yeah, I'll just, <laughs> you just take it wherever. Yeah, That's yeah. why I said who's the best in shape. And I saw you hesitate, like, hmm, okay, I'll give somebody else. And yeah, then we'll come back yeah, around. You can run, we'll you come can back run up and down, but, you know, we go, you go a little competition, take our shirts off, you know, whatever. You know, we'll see what happens. Well, <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're good. Uh, uh, the Timberwolves like to have some good team activities and team building events and yeah. stuff. And there was a Halloween party a couple of years ago, 2019 <laughs> Halloween party where, and I have seen photos where you went to this team Halloween party dressed as Usher. Usher, yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I saw these photos with these glasses and I'm like, I could swear that is Usher. <laughs> You must get that all the time. Yeah, I mean, like when I when I uh, cut my hair low and basically the same type of haircut as Usher has, it's really crazy. I, I used to get at least once a day for a while, and then um, it's turned to like two or three times a week. Um, but it, it's one of the things where since the pandemic with the mask, it's like, oh, this is different. I'm not being called Usher every day, you know, because I'm able just to <laughs> have the mask on. But yeah, I mean, like, all the time. They always say, you know who you look like? I'm like, yes, I know. You know who you look like? Yes, I know. And it's funny, Usher's about, I think he maybe 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and I'm 6'3", yes. so. Um, but I've been, like, some people have actually thought I was Usher, and they thought I was just lying just because I'm a celebrity. I'm like, no, I'm not Usher. So think about it. For a while, I was either Nate Bros and my brother, because he was in the NFL <laughs> on TV and they're doing sure. everything, or I was Usher. And I was like, I'm Kevin, I'm a person, I'm here, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. But that that was fun. I, I came. I think uh, David uh, Vanderpool, Coach Coach Vanderpool, he was like, "You gotta go because everybody calls you that. You gotta go as Usher." So that's why I ended up doing it. And when you put the glasses on, forget the height difference, but you just put those glasses on. You can see it, right? Oh no! You know why people think that? When I seen the pictures afterwards, I'm like, "Yeah, I I could tell. You, like, yeah, I look like him because it was kind of like funny to see the glasses with. The, I had the fake mic at all that." So, yeah, I could see me uh, looking like Usher. Uh, just, I mean, hopefully he comes out with a good album coming up and I can, you know, get a little more popularity. Well, I mean, are you tempted to sing a bar here and there or come up with a <laughs> dance move just so you can get the whole package going? Oh, you know what? I'll keep that for the shower. <laughs> I'll keep that for the shower. I did sing, I did sing in um, the little Halloween party, but... You know, I can't do it right now because this mic kind of scares me. I might sound too crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's best for, that's probably best for everyone. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I'll tell you what, you are uh, an entertaining guy. You've lived a pretty uh, entertaining life. Yes. And I always enjoy when we get a chance to catch up and chat. So I thank you for your time today. This was fun. Thank you. And thank the fans. Thanks, Thank you, Minnesota, for having me. Like my brother says, it's a second home. It's a second home for me, too. So... Thank you, guys. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin.